Good evening, everyone. This is John Day here with the with your weekday news on the Weekday Bugle. And today I've got some terror, some pretty scary news. So as you um, all may or may not know, yes, um, on Sunday there was a, um, a, a, a Russian attack um, just and an artillery strike just, um, I think, about 10 miles um, away from the Polish border in Ukraine, a couple miles to the to the west of Lviv, which is in western Ukraine, and it killed a New York Times journalist. But that's but that but that that, that was for another episode. I think I believe I mentioned it in a past episode. But now we have two we have two sadly two members of Fox News um, of a Fox News um, news team have died. They were killed by by Russian soldiers as they were driving through Ukraine, um, fil- filming. Um, Filming and doing do doing news crew stuff, um, on the outskirts of Key on the outskirts on the outskirts of Kiev, I believe. I think it says in here exactly where. But um, so these so Ukrainian journalists, um, Alexandra, um, her nickname is Sa- was Sasha Kushinova, who was serving as a consultant for Fox News on the ground during the course of the Russian invasion, was killed Monday, which is yesterday. Alongside Fox News cameraman Perry Zakharzewski, I think that's how you say his last name. I probably am wrong. When the man also had Irish citizenship, Perry also had Irish citizenship. Now, many of you who follow, who watch Fox News, will know who Perry is because he's been in numerous. He's been a he's been one of um, the cameraman for numerous conflicts throughout American history. He 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 was he sir he. He served as a cameraman for Fox News in creating um, many war zones, such as in Iraq and Afghanistan and even Syria during the Syrian civil war. And now he's not, and he did not, and he, may, he but unfortunately, Ukraine would be his last. Um, so their vehicle was struck by incoming fire, and first to die was Sasha. She was only 24 years old. She was struck by a bullet. In our effort to keep you updated on yesterday's tragic events, we wanted we wanted to report that journalist Alexandra Sasha Kushinova was also killed alongside our cameraman Piri Zakharovsky when their vehicle was struck by incoming incoming fire yesterday while in in the field with Benjamin Hall. Benjamin Hall survived and he's 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 wounded but he's hospitalized but he. Um, currently, he is doing okay as of yesterday when they reported this, and I'm not sure about today, but we'll find out soon. Um, um, CEO Suzanne Scott told staff on Tuesday, Sasha was just 24 years old and was serving as a consultant for us in Ukraine. She was helping our crews navigate Kyiv and the surrounding area while gathering information and speaking with sources. She was incredibly talented and spent weeks working directly with our entire team there, operating around the clock to make sure the world knew what was happening in her country. Our team in Ukraine tells me that Sasha had a passion for music, the arts, and photography, and was a joy to work with. Several of our correspondents and producers spent long days with her reporting the news and got to know her personally, describing her as hardworking, funny, kind, and brave. Her dream was to connect with people around the world and tell the sto- their stories, and she fulfilled that through her journalism. We held off the- on delivering this devastating news early out of respect for her family, 
whom we have been in touch with throughout, and we extend our deepest condolences to them. Fox News senior field producer Yannette Frilling paid tribute to the young journalist on Twitter. In yesterday's attack near Kiev, we have lost a beautiful, brave woman, Alexandra Kushinova. Sasha Frilling wrote, She loved music, and she was very funny and kind. She was 24 years old. She worked with our team for the past month and did a brilliant job. May her memory be a blessing. Earlier in the day, Fox News, Fox News Media CEO Suzanne Scott announced that veteran Fox News cameraman Perry Zakarwiski had also died after his vehicle was struck by incoming fire in, in Horenka outside, outside of Kiev. Fox News journalist Benjamin Hall was with Zakarwiski while news gathering and was almost in it and was also injured. Hall remains hospitalized. It's with great sadness and a heavy heart that we share this news this morning regarding our best bar, beloved our best and beloved cameraman, Piri Zakarwiski. Piri was a war zone photographer who covered nearly every international story for Fox News, from Iraq to Afghanistan to Syria, during his long tenure with us. His passion and talent as a journalist were unmatched. Based in London, Piri had been working in Ukraine since February. His talents were vast, and there wasn't a role that he didn't jump into to help win the feet within the field. From photographer to engineer to editor to producer. And he did it all under immense pressure with tremendous skill. He was profoundly committed to telling the story and his bravery, professionalism, and work that they were renowned among journalists at every media outlet. He was widely popular. Everyone in the media industry who has covered a foreign story knew and respected Perry. Last year, Zachary um played a role and getting an Afghan free and getting Afghan freelance associates and their families out of the country after the U.S. withdrawal. In December, at Fox News's annual Spotlight Awards, he was given the Unsung Hero Award in recognition in recognition of his invaluable work. We extend our deep, deepest condolences to Pierre's wife Michelle and family. Please keep them in all in your prayers, and please continue to pray for Benjamin Hall. But my thing is, um, like everyone's been saying, the only t- the only way we're going to get into this war, and the only way NATO is going to do anything, is if a NATO attack, if if is if a NATO country gets attacked, and then one attack on one of us is an attack on all of us, as Biden put it, and many other NATO leaders, and the United Nations, not to mention an attack on one of us is, is an attack on all of us. But you know. They say, you know, in the war, war, pretty much World War Three will not happen unless they strike in NATO territory, and then and then it all happens. It all unfolds. Doesn't have anything to do with um. You get um. If a Russian plane shoots down an American plane, doesn't have anything to do with any of that. If Russia has any attack whatsoever, whether it be missile, conventional soldiers, boots on the ground, aircraft. Artillery fire and artillery shell lands across the border into Poland. If any of that happens, and someone um catch, catches wind of it and it gets to NATO, then it's on, and then it's all, and then we're all, and then we're all fighting Russia, and it's inevitable. And in my opinion, it's inevitable. In my honest opinion and thought, it's inevitable. It's there's no way we can. It's impossible to avoid because at some point something, someone, someone's gonna screw up and fire a shell, or maybe even intentionally on NATO territory 
to try and just to test the strength of NATO and see what they'll do. Because as of right now, I think Vladimir Putin is thinking that the United States is weak. NATO is perhaps a paper tiger, a paper tiger, and won't do much in the face of danger. Because you know Putin's making all, all these threats, and we're not, and we're saying, oh, we just don't want to escalate, and we won't send any MIGs, but we'll send guns and anti and uh, anti tank missiles and anti aircraft missiles to them and defense systems and other, and other things, and even ammo. Isn't that not a fun? Isn't that not funding a war? Um, you know, a proxy war against the Russians, and that not escalate? Isn't that not? Isn't that escalation? Yeah, it's escalation. On our side, anyway. So what would a couple of MiGs do? Well, first off, you get them to the Ukrainians through the poles. And the Ukrainians fight off the Russians with these planes. And it'll do them a lot better than what they already have. That's a, that, and that, that'd be, that would do them a lot of good. But of course, the Defense Department said, and, and with some statistics, which I don't believe not one bit, Said that giving them the MiGs would be insignificant. Would would um be insignificant in helping fight off the Russians. And I'm like, are you serious? I'm like, are you gonna come up with some totally bogus um statistics just to go go along with what Biden said? Because I mean, even um even I think even Jake Sullivan was begging Biden to actually give them the MiGs because the Ukrainians have wanted it. The Zelensky personally has begged a cop. You know, um, at virtual meetings with Congress twice already to give us air, aircraft that we need to fight the Russians, and then and then Joe Biden, and it comes and it came and it all came down to Joe. Jake Sullivan was in on it. Anthony Blinken was in on it, saying the Ukrainians needed this so bad they needed that they need this badly. They've been begging for a while. Why don't we just give it to them? And it all came down to Biden. It all came down to his decision, and he said no. He said it was a bad idea. We're not. We're not risking a world war. We're not. We're not risking escalation. We're not risking nuclear annihilation. Now, this is a. They are now. Believe me, Russia's making some terrifying threats. But so eventually, somebody's gotta, gotta gotta come out of their chicken ball. Um. So eventually, someone's gotta not chicken out, and someone's gotta stand up and get out of their comfort bubble. And they gotta burst that bubble, where Russia has us. Or Russia's got us in a stranglehold at the moment. Russia is pretty much strangling us in NATO with with threats that you know haven't taken place yet, but they are very real threats that very well could be real and could be launched at any moment. But Biden needs to stand up, and he needs, like I've said, Biden needs to get up, and he needs to tell the world and tell NATO and not and tell Russia, not NATO, I'm sorry, and tell the Russians and Putin that. We've got nukes too. We're not afraid to use them. He needs to actually get up and say something that he's not that will make a, that will probably make Donald Trump proud. Finally, you know, other than gas prices, at least do something that you'll be remembered for saving the world from doom from Russian nuclear annihilation from nuclear annihilation by the Russians. I mean, you know, if Biden does that, he could be credited with you know saving the United States and perhaps um, lowering the Russians playing field, you know, and having them, you know, um, silence their threats, you know, because, you know, if we threaten to launch nukes at them over this, you know, they've been threatening us. It's like, you know, and Biden, at this point, Biden is looking like he's getting bullied by Putin at this at the, at the moment. And, you know, Biden, Biden ran on the promise that Vladimir Putin's days of, 
um, an iron grip on the world are over uh, about meddling in elections and terrorizing countries and and you know threatening to take over nations and all that stuff and bring them back into Russian influence. You know, Biden ran on the promise that the days of Vladimir Putin's terror are are, are numbered if he gets elected, and it turns out Biden is sitting around getting Biden is getting kicked around by Putin and the Russians. And they're, 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 they're literally playing into the guy's hand. They're literally playing into Putin's hands. They're, they're, it's crazy. They're playing right into the... They're doing what the Kremlin wants them to do. And they're not taking orders, but they're just... They're inadvertently surrendering to the Kremlin. Because they're scared to make threats to... They're scared to make threats against Putin. Other than economic sanctions that they've already done. And speaking of which... Moscow just announced... Their own sanctions against um, Biden and NATO allies. It's ridiculous. So, so okay. So now, so now these sanctions that we pressed have backfired, and now Moscow is sanctioning us. Which I would imagine this would have very little effect on us anyway, because everyone's trading with us. Everyone's almost everyone is allied with us in NATO. So I don't think the sanctions are going to do much at the moment. I don't think it's going to do too much. But what it is going to do, I'll tell you this, is it's going to hurt us with gas prices too. It's going to hurt, That's going to hurt us too, I'm sure. But apparently they're personal sanctions, allegedly, on Biden and NATO. So they're sanctioning Sleepy Joe. They're sanctioning NATO. So they're going to try and prevent money from getting to them. But we've already smashed them with sanctions too. I mean, you should see these. Go on ahead and pull pull up Russian gas prices and go see how it looks. I don't know what's bad over there. I don't know what's bad for gas over there in Russia. I ain't never been. I probably won't go in the near future because of the war and the um probably and the probably the ensuing anti-American um sentiment over there. That's probably going to be going around. You know, because they I'm sure most of them over there can't stand Biden. I mean, I don't like Biden either, but. And not any of y'all listening to me know who I am about Joe. I can't stand him and his paid propagandist Jen Saki. And I, speaking of her, I just literally I just posted a political cartoon of Saki, and y'all should go check it out um, on, on um, the Virginian underscore two thousand five. Go check, go check it out if you want. Uh, Biden is expected to travel to Brussels, Belgium next week for a NATO summit on Russia's war on Ukraine. Um, Biden will join the extraordinary NATO summit. That will convene March twenty fourth. That's the day. That's a, That's uh, March twenty fourth. A couple of days from now, White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki said the president will discuss the ongoing deterrence and defense efforts in response to Russia's unprovoked and unjustified attack on Ukraine, as well as to reaffirm our ironclad commitment to our NATO allies, which I believe Kamala Harris of all people was sent over there to Poland and other um, NATO countries to, you know, and the United Nations, not to mention, to, you know, once again, tell everyone, like we've already said a hundred times before, we are steadfast in our commitment to our NATO allies and to Ukraine. She's a joke. She's really a joke. I'm just telling you. I don't know why Biden has put her... On in, on the international stage, and I'm and everyone is laughing at us, and people and apparently and even the Ukrainian some members of the Ukrainian parliament are blasting Biden for 
putting her out on the world stage and said, is this your vice president? Is this, is this the best you, best you got? <laughs> and, you, and like, this woman has no morals. Like, she's sitting there laughing, getting que- asked questions with President, um, Polish President Duda about Ukrainian refugees coming into the country, about the refugee crisis going on. And, and, by, and Kamala Harris sits there and she laughs. And says, a friend in need is a friend indeed. I'm like, what does that, I'm like, what is that? What is, what is that supposed to mean? It's like, we know that, we know they need help. Biden signs a bill directing more funding towards Ukraine. Okay, well that's, I mean, okay, that's great. We need more aid. I guess that's great. Hope we didn't waste any of the money on anything else, other crazy programs. President Biden on Tuesday announced that he was signing a bill aimed at furthering assisting Ukraine and continuing amid the continuing Russian invasion of the country. We're moving urgently to further our argument, our, our argument for our support of the brave people of Ukraine as they defend their country. The aid will come in the form of food, water, hide, um, water treatment, hygiene kits, soap, laundry detergent, and food. It will also include include weapons and military aid for Ukraine. That's great. And it looks like someone else is saying Putin's own people may take him out. Um, this guy named Boykin said it. I, I'll probably watch the video later. Um, the the United Kingdom hits Russia and Belarus with over three hundred sanctions over the invasion. Of Ukraine, the UK government announced t- Tuesday that more than 300 more sanctions on Russia and Belarus over Moscow's invasion of Ukraine, bringing the number of sanctions on individuals and other entities more to more than a thousand. Wow. The government imposed the sanctions after the passage of the Economic Crime and um, it was says Trans- Tra- Transparency and Enforcement Act, which allows the government to pass sanctions quickly. The new sanctions target 370 individuals, 30 of whom are, are oligarchs or their family members, to the tune of more than $130 billion, the Foreign Office said in a statement. Foreign Secretary Liz Truss said that the statement showed, says that the announcement shows that the UK is going further and faster to hit those connected with the, to Russian President Vladimir Putin. Working closely with our allies, we will keep increasing the pressure on Putin and cut off funding from for the Russian war machine. Look at that. So here we go. The State Department says the Iran nuclear deal will not be an escape hatch for Russian sanctions. Again, we didn't say it was an escape hatch for the Russian sanctions. We're just saying that the Russians are brokering the deal. And might be getting, and the Iranians may be getting benefits out of it because we're technically paying them money, or basically bribing them to not make any nukes. Which how can we trust them to do that? So we're with another one, another one, another. It's a waste of our money because we all know that the Ayatollahs, that the Iranian mullahs are not going to listen. They're going to build nukes anyway. That's because they desire that, and they even claim that the nuclear program is for civilian purposes. Bullcrap. What about those bombs that y'all sent flying into Iraq? 
saying that the saying that the Jews and the Mossad are all over the place. You know, that's one thing that Ayatollah always talked about. Oh, the Mossad age. There's Mossad agents that are crawling all over the place. We need to start bombing Iraq because they support the Jews. That's what that's what that's what I, that's what Iran always talks about. Is that they're always scared of Israel. It's ridiculous, it's crazy, and we're gonna pay them, and we're gonna pay the mullahs to not make any more nukes again. You know, Barack Obama did the same thing. He paid the Iranians to not make nukes, and. I'm not sure what happened. I, if if I don't, I'm not sure. Maybe you guys can remember, but I'm guessing that they probably at least made one, at least made one or two nukes, even after the nuclear deal. They broke the deal, and then now we're making another deal. And there was this time, and it's even scary because the same guy under Obama that broke the last deal is doing the uh, the last guy who led the deal last time under Obama is doing it again, and the guy who's brokering the deal. Is a Russian oligarch, is I think, or some Putin associate, is brokering the deal. So we we have we have a Russian team that's actually um, leading the negotiation team. So they're setting out the deal for us. They're 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 laying it all out for us, and we got to meet with them. And then the Iranians, of course, and then the Americans on our side. And we're gonna shake hands over this and give them money. Give the give the Iranians money. It's ridiculous. The State Department on Tuesday warned that any attempt by Russia to push sanction relief as the UN looks to secure a nuclear deal with Iran will fail. The, the GCPOA is not going to be an escape patch for the Russian Federation and the sanctions that have been imposed on it because of the war in Ukraine. Prices, um, um, um State Department Press Secretary Ned Price told reporters. Prices comments come after talks on reaching a nuclear deal with Iran have once again stalled, though this time over Russian demands. Ukraine, Ukraine Zelensky addresses Canada, um, Canada's parliament. Please close the sky. And as you all know, he's been making these pleas, these desperate and saddening pleas to close the skies over Ukraine with many Western countries and NATO allies. And yet, we're not listening to him. It's sad. It's terrifying. It's, it's bad. You know, and it really makes you wonder. Does NATO really care about Ukraine? Do they really care if they fall to the Russians? Or is it just another country to fall to Russian rule? Do they only care about about NATO's borders? Do they not care about Ukraine? A lot of people are saying that NATO doesn't... You know, NATO was open to Ukraine joining. But they don't really care. And they really don't want them to join NATO. Because it would allegedly, because apparently it caused problems for NATO if Ukraine joined, which it's which this is all entirely the fault of President Vladimir Putin. It's all his, it, this is his fault that this is how all happening. It's his fault. One crazy man in his in his crazy history that he and his crazy dis, um, mentally disoriented history lesson that he gave us. And people try to blame NATO and everything. Justin, can you imagine you and your children hearing all these severe explosions, the bombing of the airport, the bombing of the Ottawa airport? So long as he said, speaking to Canada's Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, cruise missiles are falling down on you 
and your children asking you what happened. It's crazy. And of course, he's negotiating with Justin Trudeau, the guy that literally tried to crush free, um, freedom truckers in Canada. Kind of ironic, some guy who's, you know, I know he's, I know, I get it. He's using his, well, he's using everything that he's got to try and help out his own country. But of course, he, but, but of course, you know, he goes ahead and speaks to the prime, the, to the Canadian prime minister that literally just a few months ago, literally a couple months ago, tried to crush, um, um, peaceful protesters, um, that were protesting COVID mandates, among other things. About government overreach and all that. People protesting. Didn't hear not one instance of violence. Not that I heard of. Other than the police cracking down on it. Which I still support. The police. Period. But. And no disrespect to them. But. They're all being. They were all being used by Trudeau to crack down on the protesters. Anyway. And like I said earlier. Sasha was killed in Ukraine. And again, four hours ago, White House insists no fly zone over Ukraine would prompt a war with Russia. They're still parroting the same stuff that they've been saying for a, almost over a week now. They've been parroting the same stuff. Sending um, no fly zones and sending MiGs would prompt a war with Russia. It's like we've already crossed the red line. We've already been giving them equipment and stuff. It's like what 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 would a MiG, what, what would a couple of MiGs do? Or what would instituting a no-fly zone do? All we gotta do is close the skies. Is all we gotta do. And say the sky is closed to Russian aircraft. And all the Ukrainians gotta do is fight them out of their airspace. But it's just ridiculous about what's going on. And I don't know how many more Ukrainians have to die. How many more journalists have to die. For NATO to wake up and come out of its bubble and quit being a stooge and actually come in and help Ukraine a bit and do something about this because this is ridiculous. And when you read the news and you read the death toll, it's probably much higher than what it really is. Now, like, come on, entire buildings getting um, ro- um, lo- getting rocketed by Russian missiles and artillery strikes. Knocking entire buildings over, and then they say thirty, uh, maybe like twelve or thirteen people are dead and forty wounded. And I'm like, no, there's no way. There's got to be more deaths in that. There's got to be way more deaths in that apartment building. That apartment building that got blown up by the Russians a couple weeks ago. And they said, I think it said like fifteen people dead or something. Some small, a real small number. That's minuscule. There's no way there was people inside that building. Even though they, they even though they all say that oh, there wasn't anybody inside, thankfully nobody was hurt. There's no way. There's pro- there was probably people in there that probably died for sure, and there was probably many many more injured. And I'm I think the West is really trying to downplay the death toll in this conflict to try and you know keep the conflict level at a low, keep this conflict at a low level, keep the noise level a lot low. Even though they're, they're probably well aware that there's probably far more deaths than that. And the conflict has probably already reached tens of thousands of deaths already. And it's probably way worse than they thought. And the Kremlin's boasting about how many soldiers they've killed. 
and saying that they've only lost, they haven't even lost a thousand men yet, saying that they haven't even lost a thousand men yet. And that was like two weeks ago. They said, oh, we've only lost like 800 guys. And then the, and then the Ukrainians are saying, oh, no, we killed um, 3,000. And you know, it's like, you know, both sides are pointing fingers at each other and, you know, saying, oh, no, we got the best estimates about our, about deaths. No, we do. And it's like, it's like, who do we believe? I don't know. And then our own, and then our own media and, and most Western outlets are sitting out there as well that they're, you know, they're, you know, they're downplaying the death toll about how, you know, how bad this really is. And I'm sure that there's been a lot more people that have been dying out there in this war, in, in this invasion. It's ridiculous. And the death toll is likely much higher than the media tells you it is. But I can't give you any statistics because I'm not over there and I don't know, I don't know how many people are dying or anything, but I know there's a lot of deaths going, there's a lot of death and destruction going on over there. It's ridiculous. I've only seen pictures, but I certainly, I certainly pray for all those folks that are over there right now that are fighting off the Russians still. After like two weeks, after 20 days, they're still holding out against these guys, against the Russians. It's, it's crazy. A tale of bravery. And Zelensky is still, you know, now he's, now he's frantically begging NATO to do a no-fly zone and give them the airplanes and the aircraft they need. Because I think... Mom Zelensky knows that their days are numbered still, but it's just ridiculous, and I'm really hope I'm really wondering what NATO will do, and when will NATO finally wake up and see how bad this really is, and what this means for NATO. They need to wake up and actually see the consequences about what could happen if Putin moves go goes beyond Ukraine, because many people already know that Putin aspires to go beyond Ukraine. Anyway. This has been John Day with your week with your weekday news on the weekday bugle and y'all have a good evening.